Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. As Kids Church is dismissed, we want to turn to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, our text for this series, uh, 2 Peter 3, amen, 1 through 4. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Amen. And so this is a series entitled The First and Last Days, talking about the last days and things that are happening. Amen. Turn to a few people and greet them as you're seated this evening. Man, we've been uh, talking about the last days since we believe that we are in the last days and uh, how it is an exciting time uh, for those that are in the church and obviously uh, things that are happening in the world. Uh, it's definitely an interesting time to be alive, but we know that if we are here, God has called us for a purpose for such a time as this. Amen. And so we have to embrace our calling in our day uh, that God's will will be done. Amen. In our life and through us, no matter what is going on out there in the world, no matter what type of world we live in, amen, God's will is going to be done and we want to be involved in that, right? We want to participate, amen, and be on the front row of God's plan. Uh, and uh, a lot of these things in the last days, a lot of events we've been trying to connect with Bible prophecy uh, from Ezekiel and, and many other parts of Scripture talking about the last days um, and connecting headlines and how the world is moving and shifting into a uh, place uh, that is going to line up with the book of Revelation and the last days. And it is amazing when you actually begin to look uh, out there and, and, and look in Scripture, you can see these things actually happening uh, right before our eyes to help confirm that we are truly in these last days. Amen. And last week we were looking at the headlines that told us uh, about the, uh, the revive, uh, reviving of the ancient city of Babylon, uh, building up its seaport, going to be the largest in the Middle East. Uh, that's important because, again, the book of Revelation talks about Babylon and, and having uh, ships and, and uh, trade going on. And, and so... Uh, it is uh, being built now, uh, interesting enough, and it happens to coincide with Scripture, not just that one thing and not just Babylon, and, but everything else, uh, it, it seems to be falling into place. Why, why now are these things happening? Uh, why not 20 years ago? But everything is, seems to be happening now. Uh, and so... Uh, we believe that we are in the last days and talking about the one world government and, and how all these pieces are coming together. 
uh, how the kingdom of the Antichrist will be like no other kingdom on the earth, as the Bible talks about. Um, I, I read a, an article today uh, that was talking about how uh, addressing the plans uh, of how a lot of these uh, uh, elitists, if you will, want to have this dominating uh, control over the world. And, and the article is saying basically it's not going to happen because it just, it just really can't happen. Something like that, on uh, control on a worldwide scale. Uh, but I, I just kept, as I'm reading through it, I'm just thinking, well, uh, you may think that, and, and maybe the average person might think that, but the Bible says that it's all coming together. And so I'm going to believe the Word of God because it's going to be like a kingdom like no else. Uh, and so when, when, man, when man says it can't really happen, but the but Revelation says it's all coming together, I've got to believe what the Bible says. Uh, and, and so we see it coming together. Uh, pieces and, and uh, 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 arms of control and, and things that are plans that are being uh, spilled out and introduced and talked about. Uh, they've even talked about, uh, uh, I think by the end, uh, by 2030, they would like every human to have some kind of uh, coat uh, chip in them. Uh, and, and so, I mean, that's, you know, six and a half years away. Uh, and so things have to be moving fast if that's going to happen. Uh, but we know that things are moving in the place, and we know uh, what Scripture says, but we also know that there is a church of the living God here, and that God has a plan and a purpose for His church in these last days, and man, that is to preach the gospel and to, to be a light and a salt in this world while as the time is running out. Um, and I, I think uh, that the next, the next major event... Uh, uh, that applies to the church. Uh, you know, we have uh, the prophecies and, uh, of, of God pouring out His Spirit in the last days, uh, and that is happening, and, you know, uh, uh, an end-time revival, uh, which is happening uh, and will continue to happen until God's will is being done. Uh, but I think uh, the, the next major thing that's going to really affect everything is, uh, I think, is the rapture of the church. Uh, obviously, an end-time revival, a harvest of souls is going to be uh, uh, quite the impact. But uh, as all these uh, pieces are coming together for the one-world government that is uh, so commonly being talked about now, uh, the final piece to release that all from happening, I believe, is the rapture of the church, uh, uh, getting the, the God's taking his bride out of the church and that. Uh, initiates uh, the final uh, seven years, if you will, uh, according to Scripture. Uh, and uh, Daniel's 70th week uh, can begin, uh, which is uh, the, the week of tribulation or the seven years of tribulation, which its sole purpose, uh, Daniel's 70th week, its sole purpose is to wake up the nation of Israel, uh, to remove the scales from their eyes so that they can come and see the truth of who their real Messiah is, that they've actually crucified him, that he's already came, uh, and that they crucified him. Uh, and so that's the purpose of the, la the, the tribulation period is to stir up and to wake up Israel. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the church doesn't, there's really no purpose for the church here. Uh, and so that's why we believe that we'll be raptured out of here. Uh, because our purpose uh, in this earth will be done, and God's moving on to start the time clock again with Daniel's uh, 
prophecies, because he did prophesy uh, 70 weeks will happen. And what do we know? We know 69 weeks have already happened. Uh, in 69 weeks, they stopped. The, 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 the clock stopped when Jesus was crucified. That was 2,000 years ago. Uh, so how can you have 69 weeks that happen, and then all of a sudden the 70th week hasn't happened yet? It's because God has a plan for the church that's in, injected into this time period. And so once the church is removed, boom, the 70th week begins again, the time clock for Israel. Uh, and so we had mentioned last week the, the one thing that brings the end to the end, the ushers in the end of Satan uh, and his time and ruling in this earth is when the nation of Israel cries out to God, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because that's what Jesus said. You're not going to see me again until you all say that, blessed is he who comes. And so uh, through the advent of, of the tribulation period, uh, Israel is going to get backed into the corner, and eventually they're finally going to call out to God for help because no other nation is going to be there for them. And then that's when... Uh, uh, Jesus is going to come and save uh, Israel. and But we've seen throughout history how much Satan uh, hates Israel and the, the spirit of Antichrist in this world uh, and how many times uh, Satan and the people of this world have tried to remove the people of God, uh, the nation of Israel, tried to wipe them off the mat because if you can wipe out the people, uh, that are supposed to call to God, uh, then they'll never call to God, and, and then therefore you can continue reigning in, in your world. But uh, uh, we know that through Satan's plans in his mind that he's going to come and destroy Israel in the last days is actually putting them right into the corner, right into the place where they will cry out to Jesus to save them. Uh, and so... Uh, this also makes sense why there would be no reason for the church to be here in the tribulation period because Satan's not after the church, he's after Israel. Uh, even Revelation talks about how he comes against Israel and is, is trying to exterminate them. Why, why else would you have all the nations of the world come to surround Israel and attack Israel? If you were after the church, you wouldn't be doing that, would you? But if you're after Israel, you would gather all the nations to fight against Israel. And we see that happening. And so uh, there would be no uh, need uh, uh, for the church, no purpose for us if, if God's purpose for us is finished. And uh, so the rapture of the church is, is really the next big thing. If, if all these things are falling into place of the one world government, the foundations are being set the technology is being laid out and everything's getting ready to, to, to prepare for the Antichrist. Not the world uh, doesn't realize that, but we know Scripture uh, aligns with that and tells us that, that those who don't receive the mark, they cannot buy or sell, and, and that is obviously, we can easily see how that can happen now. Uh, thanks to COVID and thanks for shutting down the world, we can see uh, how everything can just be clamped down and you can't do things. Uh, without uh, certain passes or privileges. And, and so these things are coming to pass, and so uh, the rapture of the church uh, uh, initiates the introduction to the Antichrist in the, wor in the world. And we know that uh, uh, this is spelled out in the book of Thessalonians. Uh, Paul writes to them because uh, they were troubled. They were facing persecution, 
And a, a letter was going around. Somebody wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica saying that the rapture had already taken place and they are experiencing the day of God, the day of judgment, uh, because of the persecution coming towards them uh, that they were in Daniel's 70th week. And so Paul, the, the letter obviously was falsely written. Uh, and so Paul writes in Second Thessalonians, he's writing a letter to, to address the church. Uh, and he addresses these issues, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and 1. Now, uh, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus, by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not so soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So he addresses that letter that is going around, the fake letter, fake news back then as well. Uh, and so addresses that, uh, uh, that was saying that the day of, the, of Christ is at hand, that judgment, uh, the judgment is here um, um, in the great tribulation with the seals and trumpets and bowls and all these things. Uh, so Paul reminds them of the timeline of events that must, must first take place before the day of the Lord comes. Uh, and he goes on in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, and that is worshipped, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you all of these things, um, and now ye know that what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Talking about the Antichrist, the son of perdition. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And so uh, he's uh, readdressing that something has to be taken out of the way in order for the Antichrist, the, the son of perdition, to be revealed. Uh, and verse 8, and when and then shall that wicked be revealed. And so uh, 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 so first there's something that has to be taken out of the way. As verse 7 says, and then uh, shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so the point of Paul's teaching is, is that we, we need to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ, ready for the, the rapture of the church, and not to wait around to find out uh, what, the, uh, what a falling away is or, or, or what are these things uh, that has to happen because uh, the Antichrist cannot be revealed to the world Unless uh, the, the restrainer is removed, that he who letteth now uh, will let and, and be removed out of the way. Uh, and so there is something in this world uh, that is restraining the, the wicked one, the Antichrist, from uh, assuming the power uh, and coming to the world stage. Uh, there some, has to be something that is taken away. And the only thing that has more power than Satan, who is uh, referred to as the God of this world, uh, the spirit of, the, of this world, uh, the dominion that he has in this world, the only thing that has more powerful, uh, more power than he does is the spirit of God. 
Uh, and what, is, what did he put inside every single believer of the church? He put his spirit inside every believer. And so uh, we have prophecies and scriptures say that we have power over all the enemy, uh, and nothing by any means shall hurt us. Uh, and so uh, in the church of the living God, God set all this up, that you got to repent of your sins, be baptized, and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, the, the evidence of, of receiving the Spirit of God. Uh, and so all throughout the world, the church is uh, spread out all over the world, filled with the most powerful spirit in the universe who can control the only thing that can control uh, the Antichrist or, or Satan. Uh, and so uh, the Satan wants to do so much. The spirit of Antichrist has been in this world for thousands of years, wants, wants to do all of these things, but there's a restrainer, there's a, there's a ceiling, there's a net that is keeping him held back. And I believe it is the spirit of God, and uh, it is inside every single believer. Every single church uh, is filled with the spirit of God. And so uh, the only thing that really makes any biblical sense uh, for uh, something to be removed in order for the spirit of uh, the wicked one to all of a sudden pop up and be revealed and have all this dominion and control over the one world government uh, is the church would have to be removed. Uh, the power of God would be removed. Every single believer, spirit-filled believer, would be removed from this world. There, therefore, uh, then, then Satan can have free reign uh, and do what he wants to do uh, because uh, uh, the only people that have been given power to bind and to loose are the people filled with the Holy Ghost, right, who have the power to bind uh, the enemy. Uh, and so as long as we're here, the church is here, we have the power to bind the, bind Satan and his, uh, his kingdom. Uh, and so it, we, the church is holding back uh, the Antichrist from coming to power. And now we see everything coming to play, the one world government, all the technology, everything is playing out, the foundations are being laid. And so you know it's getting close, the return of Jesus and the rapture of his church from, from taking us out of here. Uh, and so when God raptures the church from this world, there wouldn't be anything left to restrain the Antichrist from rising to power and taking over the world. Uh, and so uh, I believe the church is holding back the Antichrist, and when we are gone, he's going to rise to power as everything is being set. The stage is being set, pieces are coming together, and uh, I believe the, the, the rise of the Antichrist, the wicked one coming to power, is also uh, described in the very first seal that is opened in the book of Revelation. Um, we, Revelation 6 and 1, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as it was the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see, uh, you know, uh, if the church is already raptured up, uh, come and see church, come and see elders, those that are, are in heaven, come and see what is going to happen with this first seal. Revelation 6 and 2, and I saw, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a, a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And now, now we are entering the part of the Bible where obviously there's lots of interpretations uh, of the end time. Um, and nobody knows exactly what they are, but everyone has their own opinion. Uh, and so I can give you my opinion. 
Um, I, I think that this is, uh, this is the introduction of uh, the wicked one, the, the Antichrist rising to power. Uh, the first horse of the apocalypse, as they are known, is a rider on a white horse who had a bow and a crown, and he went out conquering the world. Uh, it, it says he has a bow, um, uh, obviously uh, an, an instrument of war, but it doesn't mention any arrows. He just has a bow. Uh, but he also has no arrows, but he's given a crown, and he's going out to conquer. Now, how are you going to conquer if you have no arrows and you just have a bow? Uh, you, you would how you're going to conquer without an arrow being fired, without a shot being fired, you're going to conquer. Uh, and so the only way that can, can be done is through peace. If you go out and, and you uh, negotiate peace in the world, no arrows fired, uh, and you've conquered. Uh, conquer through peace. And so what else do we know? Who else do we know uh, comes to the earth? Riding on a white horse. Uh, a few uh, chapters later, we see a description of Jesus Christ coming to the earth. Uh, and what does it say? He's coming on a white horse. Uh, and so would it make sense that the Antichrist, who's trying to be like Christ and admits to be like Christ, he too would also come in a white horse. Uh, and so the first thing that happens on the earth uh, after the church is raptured up in Revelation 4, uh, now that the church is taken out of the way and the man of sin, the wicked one, is to be revealed, we see a white horse coming to the earth with a bow and a crown to conquer. And one of the defining acts that the Antichrist does is he implements peace in the world. And that is why Israel falls for him and enters into agreement with him is because he's the one who's able to say, uh, not just say, uh, let's have peace, but actually peace actually happens. Uh, we know this because of Daniel's prophecies, 9, 27, and he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that is, uh, one week is seven years, uh, so the covenant of peace. Uh, and in the middle of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease, for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate until, even until the consummation that is determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. And so in the middle of the last seven years, he goes into the temple of, of Israel and declares himself to be God. Uh, and uh, obviously the only way you uh, get access like that is if Israel's made a covenant with you, you've brought peace. Because that's what one thing, the Middle East wants peace. Everyone tries to bring peace and all these out of the covenants and all these things. Every president at least attempts to uh, bring peace in the world. And, and you know, uh, whoever, whoever tries to is, is that the Antichrist Every, the church people are talking about because that is a covenant. There's a covenant coming where peace is, is established and Israel is, is roped in because of that. And, and so uh, that is what promotes uh, this man, the wicked one, uh, to this world stage and uh, have such power and dominion is because only he uh, has been able to instill peace uh, through the covenant. And so the rider on the white horse uh, is, is that man, and it is the fir very first thing that happens 
in the, the, the tribulation period, the first, uh, the seven years. Uh, and then we see in verse 3, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. Uh, and there went out another horse that was red, uh, and power was given to him that sat thereupon to take peace from the earth. So where did the peace come from? Peace came from the first horse who came out and conquered without, with a bow but no arrows. But he conquered, he, he established peace in the world. And now uh, uh, the second uh, horse comes to remove the peace from the world. Uh, and so um, I believe that the, the church is the one, uh, the, ne- the rapture of the church is the next major thing that's going to really set everything in place. And once that happens, uh, the Bible talks, there's only seven years left. Uh, and if, uh, uh, if, if they're all talking about world dominion and, and control by 2030, uh, you know, we've, we're already entering in that seven-year period. Uh, and so it's, you know, not that uh, our clock matches up with God's clock, but uh, everything that's happening around there, you've got to know it's soon. And we've got to be ready for that, uh, so the return of Jesus. And so... The most important thing about the rapture of the church is that you are ready for it, right? I mean, that's the one thing you don't want to miss. You can be late for any other appointment you want, but don't be late for the the rapture of the church. We got to be ready for that and and not to miss it. Make sure we are ready to meet him in the air. Um, But the rapture of the church is more than just uh, letting the church escape the wrath to come. That doesn't mean that we're, we won't experience any kind of uh, persecution or whatever. We're just, we'll, we'll escape the tribulation period, but that the time leading up to that, who knows what that can be like. Uh, and we can see that the, the temperature of the world is already, and in, 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 uh, America is already turning against the church uh, and against truth and what is right and, and what is wrong is being lifted up and declared right. Everything is backwards now. Uh, and so we see the temperament of the world uh, is turning towards that. And so, uh, but we know that uh, ultimately uh, we won't uh, be here for the, 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 the worst of it all uh, is the tribulation period. Uh, and so believe it or not that the rapture of the church is, is directly tied to a, a Jewish marriage uh, from uh, from. The ancient marriages, I don't know if they still practice this today, but from what I uh, found out, uh, how uh, the, the Jews uh, celebrated and did all these things, uh, it, it kind of fits in with the rapture of the church. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the last days, and he's talking about Israel, specifically talking about Israel. But then a few days later, he and his disciples are up in the upper room. He's with his, his, his church, uh, soon-to-be church. And he tells them of a future event that is going to happen to the church and, and is not going to happen to Israel. Uh, because there are things that are on the, the, the timeline for Israel, and there are things on the timeline for the church. And, and we, even though we're here together, God has a different plan for each of these uh, we'll all come back together in the end, but uh, different routes uh, right now. Uh, and so um, Jesus is telling the disciples, the church, uh, about things that are going to happen to the church and not Israel. Why? Because Israel's unbelieving. They don't believe in Jesus. They, they, 
How can they be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and be part of the church if they don't even believe uh, Jesus is who he is? Uh, and so what he's talking to them about in the upper room discourse and uh, John is about the rapture, the taking away of his bride uh, out of the earth. Um, because the bad times are coming and Jesus doesn't want his bride in the middle of it. Uh, and so we see in John 14, uh, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, as Gentiles, we read this and we just read it. But uh, believe it or not, that this, these terminology, these phrases and words, uh, is actually ties into a, a Jewish marriage. Um, and uh, the apostles understood that because that's, that's how they, that was a culture, the Jewish culture back then. And uh, so they understood what he was saying. Uh, and since the church is the bride of Christ, uh, then we are obviously into a, a marriage covenant with him. And even G many of Jesus' parables were tied into a, a, a Jewish marriage customs. Uh, and since we're not Jewish, we don't really, we don't really understand the, the background behind a lot of these things. Um, but, the, but the disciples knew what he meant. Um, and, and so we'll go through it briefly, the process, the, the marriage process. And uh, the first part is the betrothal, the engagement, as we call it. Uh, and so the bridegroom would look for one that has caught his eye, the apple of his eye. Uh, no difference for us. There's that special lady that catches our eye. And when, once uh, he, he catches, finds the girl, he'd go to her father and he would negotiate a price for her. Uh, because Jewish brides had to be purchased from their, uh, from their father. They were bought and a payment was given to her father. Now, obviously, we live in a different world today, and this, this, this stuff wouldn't fly, especially here in 2022. Uh, but we're not talking about today. We're talking about ancient Jewish customs uh, when the Bible was written. So uh, a payment was given to her for her father. I mean, I may ask that for my kids, my girls. I'm, I'm bringing back this Jewish customer. You pay me some money. Uh and you pay for the wedding. I mean, you know, what am I going to I'm already broke. i got three girls, so i got to get some money somehow, right? Uh, so, obviously, uh, the Jewish brides were purchased, given uh, they're bought with a price. Uh, and so it's amazing the, the coincidence, uh, not really coincidence, but how it's all tied in. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So Jesus purchased the church with his blood. Uh, the payment for us was his blood being shed. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We, under, we know these things, but... Uh, it's amazing you tie them all back into a, a marriage uh, custom, a Jewish uh, uh, engagement and wedding, and, and really brings everything to life. 
So Jesus paid for his bride, the church, with his life and with his own blood. And uh, you don't think, uh, and you don't think that he 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 pays attention to everything that happens to the church. I mean, if he died for us, died for the church, you better believe he's paying every attention, watching every single thing that happens to the church, in the church, against the church, uh, because this is the most precious thing to him because it costs him his life. Uh, and so if you want to read uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, find out what he does to those who don't discern the Lord's body, who, who, who cause dissension and, and uh, th- things in the church. God's watching out uh, because of the price that he paid. And so once a bridegroom uh, pays the price, they've entered into a covenant. They're basically considered married. They're, they're officially engaged. And a symbol of the relationship that has been established, uh, the groom and the bride, they come together and they drink from the same cup. There's a cup of water or whatever, I don't know, whatever it is. But they both drink from it. It's, it's the symbolic uh, of them coming together and drinking from the same cup. Now also up in the, in the upper room after Jesus is talking about, uh, I'll go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And, and what, what happens after that? Uh, they, they, they do communion, as we call it, communion, right? Breaking bread and, and water and wine. Um, and 1 Corinthians 11, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you and do in remembrance of me. The same manner he also took of the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink in remembrance of me. Uh, and so this is obviously, we call this communion. Uh, but it really is a reminder uh, to us about our marriage covenant with Jesus, about our, our, our engagement to him, uh, because we are drinking from the same cup that he did as, as he instilled this uh, back then. And so we are, we are spoken for, we are bought with a price, and so we had better keep ourselves pure for Jesus when he comes back for his bride and for his church. Uh, and so from that moment on, uh, the bride was declared to be consecrated or sanctified or set apart exclusively for her bridegroom because they've entered now into the official engagement, drank from the same cup, she's been paid, bought for, and so now uh, they, she is set apart from the rest of the world. This is, she, she is going to be engaged and married to this man. She's spoken for. And it is her duty, also the church's duty, to remain separated, set apart, and consecrated from the world, set apart to her husband, to the one that has betrothed her. And 2 Corinthians 6, 17, uh, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Uh, and so it's more than just keeping ourselves from filthiness and sin. It's it's keeping our hearts separated from the world and keeping it all ourselves pure for Jesus because we are spoken for, and He is coming back for the church. He is coming back for His bride. He is coming back for us. Uh, and so uh, it's more than just you know figuring out what we can or cannot do. It's it's so much deeper than that, isn't it? It's a, it's a relationship we are spoken for, and no sense in, in being idolatrous or adulterous uh, with all the other things of this world because we have been bought with a price. 
uh, and glorify God with our bodies and, and everything, our whole being, because we are spoken for. Uh, and so after the marriage covenant was established, the groom leaves his bride at her home, and he goes to his father's house. And at his father's house, the groom starts building and preparing a place for him and his bride to live. Uh, he, he doesn't move in with her. She comes to his house. Uh, and so, again, this, we, we, we just read it, John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. My father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. Uh, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again, receive unto myself that where I am, that you may be also. Uh, this is marriage stuff. Uh, and these, the guys knew it. Uh, we just, we're, we're in a different time. Uh, and so th- during this period of separation, while the groom was preparing a dwelling place in his father's house, uh, what was the bride doing? She was keeping herself from the world. Staying separated, staying pure and holy, keeping her heart fixed on her coming groom. Uh, The time of separation is also a time of testing of the bride. Will she remain faithful to him while he is away? While he is preparing a place for them to come to live, she's still back in her home, in her city, wherever she resides. Will she remain faithful to him while he is away? Will her love for him stay hot or will she become complacent and lukewarm and start backing out and mingling with others and even though she's already spoken for and letting her heart be filled with other things of this world. And so that is why God is a jealous God. That is why he is jealous because we are told him, told to love him with our whole heart mind, body, and soul. And so that is why God got so upset with Israel is because they were a chosen generation. They were set apart from all of the other nations of the world. Uh, But yet what happened is they chased after other gods. And God says, you guys have committed adultery uh, because our relationship is broken. Uh, Divorce you, Israel, as he's spoken about in the Old Testament. It's because they were uh, adulterous, chasing after other gods when God uh, was the one true God. And so, uh, and so when the groom is finished with his work at the end of the time of separation, uh, the bridegroom would come uh, usually at night and he would take his bride to live with him. And so the groom and the best man and all the other escorts, they left their father's house and they conducted a, a, a torchlight procession uh, all the way to the home of his bride. And there's a, there was an entourage coming. The, the bridegroom is coming um, and we're coming, uh, he's coming to get his bride. And although the bride was expecting her, her groom to come for her, she did not know exactly when he would show up. Obviously, they didn't have texting and all this stuff. And so uh, when he showed up, he showed up. You had better be ready. And so she had better remain faithful and ready for his return. Uh, And so since the bride did not know when he would come, when the groom got close, uh, the groom's arrival was preceded by a shout. It it would shout when he was outside her home or whatever. Uh, A shout would go out. And announced uh, that it's time. 
in her imminent departure, she'd leave her house forever to be with her, with her bride. Uh, and that was all. Uh, once the shout was heard, she had better be ready and her bags packed, waiting at the door. And then, boom, the bride was gone and went to be with her groom and to live with him. And we see uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be ever uh, ever be with the Lord. Again, that's, that's, that's what happened when the, bride, the groom would show up. A shout would come and the bride would come out. Hey, I'm coming with you now. It's time to be with my, with my groom. Uh, and so uh, the same thing happens with the church. A shout, a trump of God, and uh, we're all caught up to meet him in the air and to go and to be with the Lord forever and ever. Uh, again, there's, there's no difference uh, uh, than uh, the, the ancient uh, Jewish custom of, of marriage, uh, and so the disciples understood this, the, the terminology, the lingo, they knew it all. Uh, it's 2,000 years later, here we are, uh, and we read this, and it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit with us, it doesn't connect with us, because we're in a different culture and different time. But understanding this, you really begin to see, wow, all of this just comes together, and it plays out, uh, and Jesus knows this, uh, and his time is very near. Uh, musicians, if you would come. And so after the groom receives his bride, uh, together with her bridesmaids, the wedding party returns to the bride's home, uh, uh, return from the bride's home at, to the groom's uh, father's house where the guests uh, are assembled. And shortly after their arrival, uh, the bride and groom are escorted by the other members of the wedding party to the bridal chamber. And um, prior to entering the chamber, the bride has remained veiled so that nobody can see her face. That uh, We still have that today. We have the, the veil uh, with our customs. Um, uh, and so once the bride returns to the groom's house, her veil is still covered and so nobody can see her face. Um, they, they go into the bridal chamber and consummate the marriage and become husband and wife. Um, and after it's consummated, the groom comes out of the bridal chamber and announces that, hey, uh, we are officially married. Uh, and um, uh, the party begins, the celebration begins. And upon receiving the good news, the wedding guests remain at the groom's father's house for seven days, celebrating a great wedding feast. So at one week, they're there celebrating uh, the thing, uh, the, the, the wedding. Uh, and so during the, the seven days, uh, the bride and groom remain in the bridal chamber. And then after one week is remaining, then the, uh, it comes out, or after one week has passed, uh, they come out. And it's amazing how this all ties in if the rapture of the church is at the beginning of the tribulation. There's one week that remains uh, uh, the, the wedding celebration, wedding feast is happening in heaven because Jesus is with his bride while there's one week left to here on the earth, seven years. Uh, and so uh, because there's still Daniel's 70th week that has to be fulfilled with Israel. Uh, and so the bride comes out, or the bride and groom come out, 
and then her veil is removed and everybody can see her and the, bride, the groom shows off his bride for all to see. Um, and Colossians 3 and 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Uh, and uh, so Revelation 19 and 1, uh, if you stand with me tonight, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and avenged the blood of his servants at his hand. That's the fall of Babylon. Um, the great tribulation is finishing up. The last week, uh, that uh, the seven days, the final week is coming to a close. And then verse 6 of Revelation 19, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, as the, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen and clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And so uh, the wife of the Lamb has made herself ready, uh, ready to be presented to the multitude. And so this week is finished. Um, and uh, according to the Jewish marriage, the bride arrived one week uh, before the week began. Uh, but remember, her, she was veiled. Nobody could see her. But now she is ready to be shown to the world because the custom customary period is done with the week is finished and revelation 19:11 and i saw heaven open and behold a white horse he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness doth he judge and make war his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written which no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the word of god and the armies of heaven were uh, armies which were in heaven followed uh, him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And so this is the second coming of Christ to this world at the end of the tribulation period. And guess who's coming with him? The armies of heaven and, and his bride's going to show off his bride to the whole world so that all can be seen, all clothed and right. And uh, at this point, he's not coming to the earth to get his bride. But the bride is already with him, and so he must have came earlier and got her, and that is at the rapture of the church, the beginning of the week, uh, and to take her back to her father's house. And so um, as this world is wrapping up, the time is coming to an end of this world, and we can clearly see the puzzle pieces are coming together, uh, lining up with Revelation and Ezekiel's prophecies and uh, all these Zechariah's prophecies. Uh, all of these things are coming to an end, we, but we know uh, that uh, while we are still here, we know God has good things in the store for the church. We know there's going to be uh, miracles, signs, and wonders, and end-time revival like we've never seen before. And then God's going to call us out of here to be with him forever. Amen. And I'm excited for that day. we got to make sure that we are ready, that we are prayed up, that we are ready. We are still separating ourselves from this world and remaining devoted to him because it can come anytime, soon and very soon. I want to be ready for him. Amen. Why don't we worship the Lord, give him thanks as we close out the service tonight and give him praise and worship him. How great he is. is awesome.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If we are this close to the end time, uh, we know that the Antichrist, he's already here. We just don't know who he is. Uh, and obviously the events that will transpire, he will, he will rise up to the top. Uh, but uh, of all the world leaders out there, uh, one, one guy whose name is really interesting, not saying that he's, he's, the, he's the man, uh, but uh, the, the president of France, you know what his name is. It's Emmanuel Macron. Uh, we know what Emmanuel means. Uh, Macron means Mark. Uh, so uh, you know, just go sleep on that tonight. Not saying that he is, he is the one, but just saying his name is really interesting. Uh, and he did speak out this week about uh, we don't want to embarrass Russia. Uh, you know how Russia's going, and how Russia plays in the last days. He's he's saying we don't need to we don't need to embarrass Russia. Uh, we need to take it easy with them. Uh, so uh, the, the stage is being set. Players are already there. Uh, amen. We're just gonna be looking to Jesus. Amen. He's gonna be with us. Amen. And lead us wherever He wants us to go. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.
Remember uh, the prayer walk this Saturday at 8 a.m. downtown.